You guys look lovely tonight, I must say. Love all the uh, ridiculous outfits, all the Christmas, uh, whatever you call those outfits you've got on. And, um, and I'm one to talk here. So, uh, welcome to Reckless, man. We're glad you guys are here. This is, as hard as it is to believe, this is the last Reckless of 2012. And, um, and I don't know if you guys feel this way. I feel like this semester has blown by. Um, <laughs> and you guys are in the midst of finals and exams and all that, so maybe you don't feel quite the same way. But um, I feel like in here that, that this, these last few months have just have blown by. So it's hard to believe tonight's the last one. So uh, Merry Christmas to all of you and, uh, and a Happy New Year <laughs> and all that. Um, so you guys look lovely tonight. Listen, I know it's going to be very hard for you to take anything I say seriously tonight <laughs> based on how I look. And, um, and so I know that's going to be really difficult, but um, I'm going to have the same problem looking at you tonight. So um, we're, we're in the same boat. So I know it's going to be tough, but let's just try our best. And uh, I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about tonight. And not only is this the last Reckless of 2012, but tonight's also the last week of our series we've been in called The Outsiders. And uh, so we are done. No more Outsiders after, after tonight. And uh, man, what, I can't think of a better way to finish the year and finish this series together than by talking about some of the verses that we're going to be looking at over the next few minutes. So uh, these are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. Some of these, these verses we're going to talk about tonight have the, literally have the power to change our lives. And so I'm excited about what God has in store for us tonight. So uh, we're in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to dive right in tonight. Um, and I've got a lot of ground to cover. So look at Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're at. And uh, we're going to start in verse 14. And here's how, here's how this, this passage starts. Paul starts by saying this phrase. He says, when I think of all of this, all right, or when I think of these things, when I think of this. Now, what is Paul referring to when he says, when I think of all of this? Paul is basically, what, what Paul is referring to by all of this are all of these things that we've been talking about over the last month plus. In our, the last series we were in, Walking Dead, and now the, of what we've been in over the last few weeks, The Outsiders. All of the things, basically in chapters 2 and 3 of Ephesians, is what Paul is talking about when he says all of this. Alright? So, all of the things that we have, we've talked about the last few months, that we were dead in our sins, that we were lost, dead in our sins, that we were outsiders to God with no hope, with no shot, no chance... But that God, through the cross, made us alive. He came down. He entered our world like we just sang about. He was, he was far, but he came, and he, is, he dwelt among us. He was with us, and he gave up his life through the cross, and he breathed life into us, and he made us alive. And now, because of the cross, the fact that we're alive, we are now God's masterpiece. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And now, like we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, as insiders— into the family of God, we have all of the benefits of a child of God, all right? So that's what Paul is referring to when he says all of this. Now, I hope, and this is, this is my prayer, that we haven't over the last, you know, four to six weeks or whatever just been talking about this, and you've kind of gone, you know, about your busy schedule and school and life and all that, and, and basically it's kind of been in one ear and out the other. I mean, I hope as we've been talking about this over the last, last few weeks and months, that this is stuff that has been resonating in your heart. That these are things that have been changing the way that you live. That when you walk in here and when we talk about it in our small groups, that you've been leaving and it's been impacting the way that you live your life. 
that it's been changing everything for you, as your eyes have been opened to say, man, holy cow, I can't believe that God loves me that way. I can't believe that God has done these things for me. I hope that that's been your, your reaction. But here's, here's kind of my question. When you think about all of these things, when you think about all of this stuff that God has, has done for us, how do you react to that? I mean, is it, do you shrug your shoulders and, and are kind of indifferent about it? Does it impact you? Does it really matter to you? I mean, is it changing the way that you live your life? When we're talking about, and Paul's talking about all of these things and what we've been dealing with the last few months, these things that God has done for us, has this actually impacted the way that we've lived our life? How, does it, how do we react to these things? Look at what, how Paul reacted. Look at what Paul, um, what Paul does. He says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So Paul's immediate reaction to all of these things that God had done for him and for all of us as believers is he hit his knees. All right, he immediately dropped to his knees. And here's my question for, for you guys. Have you ever been so overwhelmed by what God has done for you that you have hit your knees in, in kind of a sense of humility and in thankfulness? I mean, when was the last time, or has that ever happened to you? Have you ever gotten to a point where you've been so blown away by... <laughs> You, where you've been so blown away by the things that God has done for you that you've literally just hit your knees. Like you don't know what else to do. You don't know how else to respond. And you just sort of hit your knees in kind of this overwhelming sense of thankfulness and humility. God, you would do this for me. I mean, God, why, why do you love me enough that you would, you would do this for me? Have you ever been that overwhelmed that that is the reaction that you have? And that's what Paul does. And then he prays that the believers would get it. All right, not just that it would, they would be filled with head knowledge about God's love and about who God is, but that it would literally click in their lives and in their minds to the point that it changes the way that they live. That they're so impacted by what God has done for them that their roots grow down into God's love. Or some versions, maybe your version says, rooted and grounded in God's love. And that's what Paul prays about, that, that they would be, it would impact them to the point that their roots would grow down. They would be impacted so much that their roots would go. They'd be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Now, to go back to the whole hitting your knees thing, I, I remember, and I was thinking this over the last week and a half or whatever, uh, about just the moments in my life where I've kind of hit my knees in terms of just thankfulness to, to God or in, in, in other ways. And, and I couldn't help but think about the time that I proposed to Angie. And, um, and you know, not to bore you with details or anything, but here you go. So I, I remember um, I was 22, she was 21. We had been, we'd been dating a couple years. And, you know, you talk about things that click. I mean, it was one of those things where we hadn't been dated all that long, but we both knew that this was it. Um, you know, I mean, this, you know, we, we knew that we were going to spend the rest of our lives together, you know, all that all that fairy tale stuff, whatever. So, I mean, it was one of those things that just clicked. So, we had been dating for a couple of years. We had been talking about the whole marriage thing or whatever. And I remember waking up one day, and I just, I can't really even explain it, but I just knew, I mean, I'm ready to do this. 
I'm ready to get married, ready to take that plunge, ready to, you know, sign my life away, whatever. And uh, just kidding, just kidding. And, uh, and so I, you know, I went through the whole ordeal, called her dad and talked to him and, you know, got, got his approval and his stamp and all that. And so I started planning, how am I going to do this? How am I going to propose to her? And so I thought it would be, as I was thinking through, I thought, maybe it'd be cool to, to propose to her at the same place where we'll, we'll get married. You know, to think that I'm going to propose to her at the same place where we'll say our vows and, you know, till death do us part and all that jazz. And so, so, I, so that's what I did. So uh, I, I hopped on a plane, worked out all the details. She was at home for Christmas in Colorado, and so I flew out there. And, and so I remember setting up the, you know, kind of the room or whatever and had candles behind me, and I was all dressed up and, you know, had the flowers in the ring. And I, you know, had the speech prepared. I, mean, I was all ready. And uh, so her, her parents brought her, and she opened up the doors and, and saw me in the room and was just kind of shocked, didn't expect it, didn't really know what to say, and was just kind of like, Why, what are you doing here? Why are you here? Uh, what's going on? And so she finally kind of made her way up to where I was, and, and I just remember doing the thing that we do, you know? I mean, I, I, I get down before, and I, you know, get on my knees or on one knee or whatever, and, and I don't remember what I said to her. Um, I rambled on about love and whatever. Uh, and she was too shocked by the fact that I was there to even, probably even remember what I said either way. But I was babbling, rambling on. And I remember just going, look, I, you know, I want to marry you. Will you marry me? I want to spend the rest of my life with you, blah, blah, blah. Will you marry me? She says yes. You know, put the ring on her. We hug. The magical moment. The angels start singing. The clouds open up. It's this amazing thing. And, uh, and now 11 years later, you know, she's still awesome. And I'm dressed like this. <laughs> And, uh, but I, I remember that moment and thinking about hitting my knees. And here's the thing about hitting your knees. When we hit our knees before somebody, before that person that maybe we're in love with and we're proposing to, or, you know, when we, when we hit our knees, it's such a sign of humility. I mean, what you're saying to that person is you're going, look, you're it. Like, you're everything to me. You, you, you are so valuable to me that I have to have you in my life. That you mean the world to me, you are, you are it, and I don't want to look anywhere else, I, I've got to have you. And it's such a sign of like humility and just humbling yourself before that individual and that person and just going, look, I, I've got to have you in my life. Now, to think about how that translates to our relationship with God, have you ever had that moment where you've literally had that understanding and you've had, you've hit your knees in a symbolic way of going, God, I am humbling myself before you. God, you are it. God, you are everything to me. God, you are so valuable to me that I have to have you in my life. I mean, have you reached that moment or had those moments in your life where you have been so profoundly impacted by the love that God has for you, where you don't know what, how else to express it but just to hit your knees? See, I think a lot of times why we miss out on God is because we kind of come to God sometimes with, with kind of this arrogance. We, we a lot of times maybe approach God as though he owes us something or, you know, that, he, that he's got to, you know, he's like this act in a circus and he's got to perform for us or, you know, we, we go around taking his name in vain or belittling him. I just don't think a lot of times we have all that much reverence for God. I mean, where we literally hit our knees and humble ourselves before God, whether it's in a physical way or just in a, 
in, in just kind of a symbolic way spiritually of going, God, I am desperate for you. God, I don't come to you in arrogance or, or making demands of you or acting like you owe me something. God, I'm humbling myself before you in such a way. I'm blown away that you love me the way that you do. And so God, I don't know what else to do but just to humble myself and hit my knees and say thank you for the way that you love me. See, when we humble ourselves, when we hit our knees and we're, we allow ourselves to, to, to come to that moment where we, we submit ourselves to God, man, it is symbolic of the humility that we have to have to come to God. That God doesn't, God doesn't have to listen to us and quite frankly doesn't really listen to us when we come to him with this arrogant attitude. But man, when we symbolically humble ourselves and, and, and submit to him and go, God, I just want, what, I want for my life what you want for my life. God, I'm so blown away that you would love me, God, that I want to experience everything that you have for me. And that's what Paul does. And I love how he talks about how he just hits his knees and how, uh, how for us, that's a challenge for us to, to have that kind of mindset and that attitude when we come to God. Then he continues in verse 18. Look what he says. And this is incredible. He says, may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now I love how Paul says that, man, this is, May you experience, like all God's people should, anybody that claims to love God has got to experience and understand the height and the width and the length and the depth of God's love for us. That you will not survive if you don't have an understanding. This is important, this is imperative for those of us that claim to love Jesus that we've got this understanding and this mindset of the incredible power and love that God has for us. Now, the particulars of this verse can be described like this. When you think about the width that God's love is so wide that it extends to all ages, all nations, all types of people. That God's love is so wide that it extends across every racial line and every demographic and across every nation and tribe and tongue. That every person on the planet, God's love reaches. That in terms of the length of God's love, that it is so long, that it stretches from everlasting to everlasting, that it knows it is not confined by time, that it has no beginning and it has no end, that it has always been and always will be, that that's how long and how incredible God's love is. From a depth, that it is so deep that it stoops to the lowest condition of humanity, that it is able to rescue from the deepest depths of sin, that it doesn't matter how broken your life may be or how messed up you may have, have made your life or how much sin you have gotten involved in, that no matter how deep you are in that sin and in that brokenness, that God's love is deeper and it stretches down, that knows no depth or no, no, um, no end to the depth and reaches down beyond that and pulls you out of the depths of your sin and into freedom in Christ to the height that it's so high that it raises us up to the heavenly heights of joy and the fullness of life. That God lifts us up and he, as we experience this, he raises our life up to the point that we, like Paul's saying, we experience the fullness of life and power. And how incredible is it that God loves us that way? 
when I'm, when I'm reading these verses, I think, about, um, I think about the ocean. And in terms of just the, the incredible, you know, when you think about the length and the width, and, and I naturally think about the ocean and how vast it is and how expansive it is and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I, all of us have probably had that, um, th- those thoughts or we've had those conversations about, man, when I die, this is how I would want to die. Right, like we want to pick the, the way that would be easy or wouldn't be a lot of pain or whatever, and we think about those kind of things. And not in a morbid way, but we just kind of have those conversations or those thoughts. For me, I've always thought about, man, the, the, one of the fears that I would have, it, kind of a, a fear of the ocean. And in terms of like dying in the ocean, like being on a, on a ship out in the middle of the vast expanse of the ocean and like being thrown overboard or falling overboard and like, you know, Doggy paddling, you know, to the point I look around everywhere. I mean, just imagine you look every, in all directions and you, all you see is water. Like no land, no boats, nothing to grab a hold of. You're just out there in the, in the middle of the flipping ocean, right? And, you know, and, and maybe I'm just morbid or whatever, but just thinking about like dying that way, you know, that would just suck. You know, and I don't know... You know, the fact that you, you know, at some point you run out of strength and energy or whatever, and then you just, you drown. And, and you know, the fact that nobody's going to find your body, it's just going to, it's going to disappear into the ocean, you know? I mean, like that's, that's, that's what I think about. Now, obviously that's morbid and I'm a little weird, but flip, flip the coin in a good way of thinking about experiencing God's love like being in the ocean. Like think about not just kind of tiptoeing into the edge of the shore or whatever, just kind of dipping in a little bit to God's love and, you know, not, not getting too crazy or not too involved in, in it or whatever and not want to go overboard or whatever, but just kind of tiptoeing out there. But rather hopping in a boat and driving for hours out into where you can't see land and experiencing the love of God like drowning in the ocean. And as scary as it would be for me to die that way, experiencing the love of God like that, like we're in the middle of the ocean, is such an incredible thought. And that's what I picture when I read this verse. That no matter how much we grow and how much we understand of God's love, we are only scratching the surface of knowledge and understanding and experience of God's love. That we can drown in God's love, but we will never reach the bottom. That we can swim as far as possible, but we will never reach the edges of understanding or experience. And it's not until one day we stand face to face before God himself will we ever fully understand and comprehend the incredible love that he has for us. Like how amazing is that, that God offers that to you and to me? That it's not something we just have to talk about. It's not something we just have to experience a little bit and go, ah, that's kind of cool or whatever. But we experience to such extent that it blows our mind away that we're like drowning in the ocean and yet we never reach the edge and we never reach the bottom. And that's what's offered to you and to me as followers of Christ. Now you show me a life that's better than that one. You show me anything that the world has to offer you and me that matches and compares with that. And we try so desperately to find all of those things that we feel like is going to bring us the fullness of life. And yet God's saying right here, Paul's saying right here, that it's God's love. As we experience the incredible love of God, this love that is so incredible that we can't even comprehend, we can't even get our minds around 
that we are made complete with all the fullness of life and power. Now think about that. We are made complete as we experience this love that God has for us. We are made complete with all the fullness of life and power. And not even the fullness of life and power that the world offers us. Right? Those things that, that the world says, hey, take this and it'll satisfy you and you'll be full of life and you'll experience you know, everything that you could experience and it will be amazing and you'll love it so much. And those things that we try and we dabble in and we, we feel like it's going to satisfy and yet it fails to do what we think it's going to do. Not the fullness of life and power that the world offers us, but the fullness of life and power that God himself, the creator, offers us who in all reality is the only one that could ever offer us that. That's what God has for us. How unbelievable it is that for for those of us that are insiders into the family of God, that that's what we have. It's not something we talk about or we just think it's a pipe dream. We get to experience it every day. And no matter how much we experience it, we can never fully understand it. Now, Paul made sure that the church of Ephesus was experiencing and growing in that love. All right, this was vital. He understood you have to, can't just be something you're, you're talking about, it has to be something that you're growing in, that you're experiencing, that you're, you're understanding, all right? And here is, here is where the danger lies. And I think this is the application for us. See, we can do all of these things for God. We can show up at church every week. We can serve the community. We can go on trips to, to you know, serve the people of Nicaragua and make a great difference. And yet, at the end of the day, they can all be hollow if we're not growing in God's love. It doesn't really make a difference if we're not growing in God's love. And the crazy thing is, that's exactly what happened to the church at Ephesus. That's exactly what Paul is warning here and what Paul's talking about here. If you fast forward to Revelation chapter 2, that's exactly what happened. In Revelation 2, Jesus himself is talking to the church at Ephesus, all right? Same church that we're reading about in this book. And here's what he says to them. He says, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered that they are liars, you have patiently suffered for me without quitting. So he compliments them first and goes, you're doing all these great things. You're doing these things for me. You're not tolerating evil people. Great job. But then he says this. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Now, it's unclear exactly when the book of Revelation was written, but a lot of, a lot of Bible scholars agree that it was written about 96 AD, all right? 96 AD, which the book of Ephesians was written in around 62 AD, all right? So that's a 34-year window there between the time that the book of Ephesians was written that we've been talking about all year and this letter that was written to the church at Ephesus, all right? 34 years. So somewhere in that time, all right, somewhere in that, the church lost sight of what was most valuable, The church was busy doing things for God, but they were not living in the love of God. 
They were doing all these great things. They were, they were changing people's lives and having a great impact on the world. And yet when it mattered the most, it was all hollow because they were not growing in the love of God. They had forsaken their first love. And the, the challenge for us is it doesn't matter all of these things that we do for God. If we have lost sight and have stopped growing in the knowledge and understanding and the experience of God's love, then all of it is hollow. And do you guys want to make sure that your relationship with Christ doesn't become stale or hollow? The key is to continue growing in God's love. You have to make that, you and I have to make that a priority. I mean, we've talked about in the past that so many of our struggles happen because a lot of times we fail to understand God's love for us. That it's not about us doing things for God. It's the fact that we've lost sight of God's love for us. We've stopped growing in that love and that understanding. And because of that, we struggle and, and our relationship with God becomes stale and, and insignificant. And I have never met someone who is swimming in the depths of God's love that struggles with things like identity issues, that has wrong views about God, or that has a relationship with God that's shallow or insignificant. And I, I, I just think it's impossible. Because what Paul is saying here is that as we grow in that knowledge of God's love, as we understand that, as we continue to grow and mature in God's love, as that changes who we are, we are now made complete. We are now growing in the fullness of the, of the life and power that God is offering us. So it is of utmost importance that we are constantly growing in the knowledge of God's love for us and for those around us. Now, not to say that we, can't, we, we shouldn't do things for God, all right? That's not what Jesus was saying in, in Revelation 2, all right? We still can, we should, should still, we can and must do things for God, all right? Is what I'm trying to say, all right? That's not what I'm saying is that we shouldn't do things for God. But the motivation why we do those things should be us continuing to grow in the understanding and the knowledge of God's love for us. Because that becomes the motivation for why we do the things that we do in the world. But when we cut that off or when we stop growing in that knowledge or when we feel like, you know what, I understand that, God loves me, whatever, and we stop growing in that knowledge, then our relationship with God closes up and it becomes stale and insignificant. The key is we've got to continue to grow and mature in God's love. Here's the main point for us tonight. We experience the fullness of life only when we live in the fullness of God's love. And I don't know anyone in this room that goes, you know what, I don't really want a full life. I don't want to experience the fullness of life. Right? Who, who says, hey, sign me up for a crappy life? Man, I'd love to experience just kind of an average life, just kind of go through the motions, not that big of a deal. I don't, I don't really care. Just give me whatever. Right? I mean, all of us in here want to experience a full, the fullness of life. Right? I'm, I'm not making some you know, accusation or whatever that you guys don't agree with. We all want to experience the fullness of life. And what we've got to understand is no matter how many, how many things we run to and how many experiences we have and no matter how, how much we look to the world to, to, to bring us that, that fullness of life, the truth is we only experience the fullness of life when we live in the fullness of God's love for us. And when we stop growing in that knowledge and that understanding and experiencing that love, then we don't experience the fullness of life and power that God offers. 
Then Paul closes in verse 20, 21. Two more incredible verses. He says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And what an unbelievable verse. Paul says that God's power is at work in us, in those of us who are insiders, and that that power can accomplish infinitely more than we might even ask or think. Like as we submit to him, as we, as we allow God to live through us, man, he, his power goes through us and lives and accomplishes more through us than we could even get our minds around. And just like we can never fully comprehend God's love for us, we can never fully comprehend what God could do through us because of his power in us. Now, this is a question you guys have in your groups in just a few minutes, but I wanna go ahead and pose it now so you can be thinking about it. Do you live your life with that kind of faith in God? But do you live your life in such a way that you believe that God could do infinitely more in your life and through, you, through your life than you can even ask or think? Do you have that kind of faith in God? Because that's what Paul's talking about here, that that, that, that faith is, is, is open and available to us. And here's the connection. We experience that kind of faith the more we grow in the knowledge of God's love for us. I mean, it's all connected together. And as we grow in that knowledge of God's love for us, the more we take a step back and we go, man, God, I can't believe that you would love me that way. God, it sounds too good to be true, but God, I'm experiencing this and I'm growing in this and I'm understanding this more and more and it's blowing me away. And so God, if you could love me that way, if you could rescue me and do all the things in me that you're doing, then God, you could do anything that I could ask or think. And then Paul says, yeah, he can do all those things and then he can do infinitely more than even that. How unbelievable is that? Here's how I wanna close tonight and I don't wanna get weird or whatever, but we're gonna do something a little bit different as we close. I wanna ask all of us just to get on our knees. Now, I know this, this, is, this is gonna feel a little weird. Stay with me here, all right? Just stay locked in. Don't, don't start talking to your neighbors or whatever. If you're a guest with us, this isn't a normal thing, all right? Um, so I don't want you to be weirded out. And if anybody's weirded out, you don't have to do this. But here's what I want, here's what I want to do. Listen, shh, shh, shh. We talk about what that what this symbolizes, us coming before God and humbling ourselves and going, God, man, I'm unworthy. And here's what I want all of us to do. Just take just a minute or a minute and a half and with not talking to anybody else or not, not messing around or thinking about what we're doing later or, any, or you know, what exams you've got to study for or any of that, what I want you to do is just take just a minute and I want you just to communicate with God. In a sign of humility, just to spend a, a minute and just thank God for all the things that he has given you. All of these things that we've talked about over the last, last month plus, the last six weeks, just take a few minutes and go, God, thank you that you would love me that way. But take a few minutes and, and maybe if you want to confess sin, take a few minutes and, and just confess whatever you need to confess to. 
Maybe if you're in the room tonight and you have never taken a step where you have actually trusted Christ as your Savior, and tonight maybe as you're, you're hearing about the love that God has for you, it's all kind of clicking in your mind, and you want to, as you're, as you're on your knees, just trust Christ as your Savior, that you do that. That we take a, a few minutes and just say, man, God, would you help me to grow in that knowledge and that understanding of your love for me? God, I pray that you would help it, help it just to click in my heart and in my life, that it would not just impact while I'm in this room, but God, it would change everything for me. God, it would change who I am on my school campus. It would change every decision that I make. God, it would impact everything. And as we talked about just this being a symbol of humility, I want all of us just to take a few minutes and just talk to God and communicate to God whatever it is that you need to communicate to God. Jesus, I pray that this, us being on our knees, God, would, it, would symbolically express what we feel in our hearts. God, we are a people who have no business coming to you with arrogance, with any sense of pride as if you owe us something or we deserve things from you. God, the truth is, and I pray as over the last few months as we've been talking about all of these things, I pray, God, that it has been clicking in all of our hearts, that truth and that understanding that we deserve nothing. God, we deserve nothing. And yet, because of your unbelievable love, this love that we can't even fully comprehend, that no matter how much we grow in it, no matter how much we experience it, God, it's like, it's like drowning in the ocean of your love, God. We can never fully grab our mind around it or fully understand it. And because of that unbelievable love, God, you went to great lengths to open our eyes to see, to rescue us from the darkness and from us being dead in our sins. And you brought us to life. You opened our eyes. You breathed life into us. You made us alive. That we are now your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good things that you've prepared for us. That we are now, we once were outsiders with no hope, but God, you have rescued us and you have brought us out of our sin and into the family of God. And we now stand before you forgiven. God, I pray that that love would overwhelm us. God, I pray that that would not be something that we just kind of shrug our shoulders at or go, ah, it doesn't really change the way I live or doesn't really impact me. God, I pray that you would hit us like, 
like a ton of bricks with this unbelievable love that you have for us to the point that it changes everything. I pray, God, that we would not be busy just doing things for you, but rather we would continue to grow in the knowledge of you and the love that you have for us and, God, that it would change everything and who we are to the point, God, that we would grow. We would be people who don't just dabble on the shore of your love, but God, we experience all the fullness of life and power that you offer because of your love for us. God, I pray that you would do it in us. God, I pray for for students in the room that have never taken that step of faith and trusted you as Savior. God, I pray tonight would be the night. God, I pray that you would open their eyes to see your unbelievable love for them, that they would accept that love God, may you change who we are and the way that we live because of your love for us. God, we love you, we praise you. And everybody said, amen. Amen.